Hi, my name is Lynn McTaggart. Welcome to my podcast, Living the New Science. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to it and also to please leave a review. If you've liked it, please make sure to tell the world about it. I've started this podcast because at the frontier of science, new ideas are emerging that challenge everything we believe about how our world works. We're learning that the human mind and body are not distinct and separate from their environment, but a packet of pulsating energy constantly interacting with a vast sea of energy. These new theories, detailed in my book, The Field, replace the reductive worldview of modern man, a life of separation and isolation, with a view of connection. These discoveries offer hard evidence for what you may always have understood intuitively, but could never prove. They suggest our human potential can soar far higher than what current science tells us about ourselves. They will empower you with a sense of control over your world and a capacity to heal yourselves, your loved ones, indeed the world. The field brought science to the new age. I hope that this podcast, Living the New Science, will be your new prescription for living. The work of these scientists has given us a science of the miraculous, of the things that we've intuitively understood but could never before prove. Living the new science is rethinking your life in relation to this new philosophy of connectedness, which this podcast will do with scientific information and loads of exercises that can be carried out at home. My book, The Field, described the work of frontier scientists across the globe whose revolutionary findings challenged everything we believed about how the world works. Modern science portrays the human being as a mechanism largely powered by chemicals and genetic coding. According to this view, the brain is a discrete organ and the home of consciousness. Mind essentially equals brain. Consciousness itself is also largely driven by chemistry, the communication of cells, and the coding of DNA. We're told the mind of man is isolated from his body, and he in turn is isolated from his environment. According to this view, we aren't much more than animated machines. Modern science has reduced us to our lowest common denominator with a desolate vision that we are some sort of genetic accident powered by chemicals divided from our world. The field suggests a far more expansive view of the world and living things like us. It demonstrates that the essential communication mechanism of the universe is quantum frequency connected by a giant matrix a field of field called the zero-point field. This pulsating energy is the central engine of our being and our consciousness. In this new world, there's no me or not me in our bodies in relation to the universe, but one underlying energy field. Now, by field, what I mean is actually the zero-point field as it's known. 
a subatomic field of unimaginably large quantum energy just out there in so-called empty space. Now, if you don't understand a field, a field is actually a matrix or a medium which connects two or more points in space, usually via some sort of force like gravity or electromagnetism. It's considered that area of space where this change and its effects can be detected. So the easiest way to think about it is a field's a region of influence. In the quantum world, quantum fields are not mediated by forces, but by exchanges of energy, which are constantly redistributed in some sort of dynamic pattern. Just think of a game of tennis, an endless game of tennis between subatomic particles. This little constant exchange is an intrinsic property of particles. Even real particles aren't little set billiard balls, as they're sometimes depicted, but a little knot of energy which briefly emerges and disappears back into this underlying field. So this constant game of tennis occurs at the subatomic level between all the things in all the world. Subatomic particles, those little pulsating knots of energy, are constantly interacting with each other <clears throat> by exchanging this energy through other quantum particles. These little virtual particles just appear out of nowhere, combining and, dis and disappearing in less than a blink of an eye. This energy exchange between the two subatomic particles isn't much. I mean, we're talking about half a watt's worth. But if you add up all the movement of all the particles of all varieties in the universe, you come up with a vast, inexhaustible energy source. A field of fields just sitting there unobtrusively in the background of empty space around us, like some supercharged backdrop. To give you some idea of the magnitude of that power, the energy in one little square yard of empty space is enough to boil all the oceans of the world. The zero-point field is also referred to by physicists as the vacuum, but it's called zero because this little tango even occurs at temperatures of absolute zero the lowest possible energy state, where all matter is supposed to slow down and there's supposed to be nothing left to make any motion. I mean, it's the closest that motion of subatomic matter ever gets to zero. And, you know, scientists have known about the zero-point field for many, many decades, but believe it or not, most physicists subtract this thing away. They subtract zero-point energy away because they believe, as it's ever-present, it doesn't affect anything. All it does do, though, is mess up their equations. So they cut it out. And as I wrote in the field, subtracting the zero-point field from their equations is a little like subtracting out God. But there are a few frontier scientists, and one of them I've hailed in the field called uh, he's an astrophysicist called Hal Putoff. They've rediscovered the importance of it as a final puzzle piece to answer many of the biggest questions in science, things like gravity that have perplexed scientists for many years. Even the late author Arthur C. Clarke believed his and his colleagues' discoveries about the zero-point field were so significant that he called one of their papers a landmark discovery. 
So here's what to understand about the field and why it's so important. One of the most important aspects of subatomic waves is that they're encoders and carriers of information. When two waves are in phase, as they call it, they bump into each other. They're technically, that's technically called interference. This amounts to an imprinting or exchange of information. So once they've collided, each wave contains information in the form of this energy coding about the other. This includes all the other information the other one contains. So these interference patterns are like a constant accumulation of information, and waves have a virtually infinite capacity for storage. So imagine there are two libraries that just collide, and each of them then suddenly has all the books that the other contains, and that's what's going on. The other thing about this is that waves are spread out through time and space and carry on into infinity. And the implication of that is huge because that means that all matter in the universe is essentially interconnected and one part of the universe can be tied to every other part. So what we're talking about is that we and all matter of the universe are literally connected to the furthest reaches of the cosmos through the largest zero-point fields, waves of grandest dimensions. So, in this view, essentially the field connects everything in the universe to everything else, like some giant invisible web. And it's also as though the memory of all the universe for all time is contained in this empty space that each of us is always in touch with. I mean, it's amazing. It's like this mothership of information. If we on our most fundamental level, are these packets of quantum energy ourselves. And we're constantly exchanging information with this giant energy sea. It means we all connect with each other and the world at the level of the very, very nethermost area of our being. It also means that we have the power to access much more information about the world than we realize. Scientists from top-ranking institutions like Princeton, Stanford University, and many prestigious inst institutions in Europe have discovered a host of extraordinary new things about how the human mind and body work. And by the way, these discoveries aren't new. We're talking about discoveries that were made in the 1970s and 80s and 90s. But as they say in science, Science moves forward one funeral at a time. And so these discoveries are still so cutting edge, they haven't been accepted, except in the most frontier institutions. These scientists, for instance, have learned that human beings are packets of quantum energy, constantly exchanging information, as we've talked about. We've learned that living things emit a weak radiation that's one of the most crucial aspects of biological processes. The late German physicist Fritz Albert Popp discovered that humans emit tiny and highly coherent, as he called them, which is highly organized particles of light. And one of the most essential sources of these is DNA. Now, he's done tests on all kinds of animals and humans showing 
that this light is synchronicitous, that living things send out the light, but they also receive it back. We know from French studies that every molecule has its own unique frequency, which is used for communication. And we've discovered new evidence that the brain's conversations with the body may also occur on the quantum level with waves and frequencies rather than with chemical or electrical impulses alone. But you know, the most controversial thing of all is that scientists working on the frontier have discovered that the basis of all the brain's functions has to do with this interaction between the brain and the zero-point field. There have been studies in the U.S. on both humans and animals showing that the cerebral cortex, our central part of our so-called computer brain, responds to certain limited bands of frequencies in the world. So perception is a matter of tuning into the field. As incredible as it seems, it appears that when we see things, we're actually reading information from the zero-point field on a quantum level, and our brain reads out this information to create the images we see in front of us. I mean, many scientists have gone as far to say that our memories don't sit inside our heads at all, and nor do our higher cognitive functions. So what this suggests is that individual consciousness is not unlike a radio. Our brains are simply a retrieval and readout mechanism. So we pick up the signals, but the radio station itself is the field. All of these discoveries from these scientists have moved our understanding along the furthest reaches of human potential and have shown that extrasensory abilities are present in everybody. So if we can understand this potential a little more scientifically, we can learn how to systematically tap into it. And that would improve every area of our lives, from communication and self-knowledge to our interaction with our material world. So when I'm talking about living the new science, I want to show you how to extend your human abilities, which will help you to shape your own experiences, improve your job, heal yourself, and use the power of individual and collective intention to improve yourself, your community, your loved ones, the future of the planet. Ordinarily, and the way we're instructed is to believe that the capacity of our brains to receive information from this energy field is strictly limited, a bit like a radio with a certain limited bandwidth. But during acts of extrasensory perception, and I bet you, because almost everybody out there has had some sort of extraordinary extrasensory experience, whether it's just been knowing who is on the phone before you pick up the phone to answer, um, particularly if it's somebody you haven't heard from for a while, to, you know, forecasting things, to doing incredible powers of intention, or remote viewing. During these acts of extrasensory perception, the ability to see things beyond ordinary distances, it appears that this bandwidth expands, giving us more access to information in the field than we'd ordinarily have. 
And I mean, there's loads of science about this. I've written about this in the field, the intention experiment, showing that one person's brain waves can affect another person's brain waves during ESP. And the person with the most ordered brain patterns essentially will be the influencer. Other science shows that our human intention is so powerful we can affect machines, other people, all sorts of things in the world. And we know that we can, our, the mind of one person can also heal, can send intention to someone else, to something else, and affect it. Now, the big assumption out there is that, is that psychics and healers and shaman, all these kinds of sensitives, have some sort of special gift that endows them with these special powers. But the science that I've seen and the science I write about all the time and the experiments I carry out show that this type of consciousness is naturally present in everyone if we can just learn how to access it. So with practice, it can be refined, enhanced, and developed, causing profound changes in your perception, your imagination, and your influence. To live the new science is also to be in harmony with the earth and all living things. In this podcast, I'm going to explore with you some of the extraordinary effects of all the planets on human perception. I'm not talking about astrology. I'm talking about science and demonstration that there are uh, geomagnetic fields from different planets that affect us powerfully and affect our ability to access the field. I want to explore communication between animals and plants and human beings and what we can learn about them. And learn about our own extrasensory mechanisms. And this isn't wild speculation. There have been extensive and extraordinary scientific studies from people like British biologist Rupert Sheldrake looking into the psychic ability of pets and the connection between pets and their owners, things that can't be explained away. Um, there's other research looking at even plants, some sort of basic consciousness with plants, and that there is some sort of instantaneous communication that happens that we can learn from. And we also can look at evidence of that all living things engage in regular communication by these extrasensory means, which will offer us also other clues about how to communicate with the natural world about us. Now, cultures before us, all the major cultures prior to Newtonian science, Isaac Newton, um, whether it's the Australian Aborigines or the ancient Greeks or the Egyptians, and, and of course, many religions and philosophies like Buddhism, Zen, and, the, and Taoisms, They've already thought about this for many generations of thinking of the universe as inseparable, connected by some sort of universal life force. And, you know, they have operated according to these beliefs and found that they could access these kinds of extrasensory abilities far better than we have. 
And they've even believed that illness is caused by abandonment or lessening of this life force. They have very different notions of time and space, as one great big smeared out now and one great big smeared out here. And the new science is catching up with that. Every major quantum physicist now believes that our understanding of time as some sort of forward-going arrow is incomplete. The existence of the zero-point field and ideas about living the new science will give us a plausible explanation for many unexplained phenomena, such as past lives, life after death, near-death and out-of-body experiences, even channeling. So living the new science is going to explore the nature of consciousness and the likelihood that consciousness is not equivalent to the brain's functionings and doesn't die when the physical body does. I collect evidence like that, near-death experience evidence, um, studies of coma victims, even studies of people like Dr. Konstantin Korotkov, the Russian physicist, demonstrating that light coming out of the body still carries on for a while after the body has died. I mean, I collect studies like these, studies like one of patients suffering from cardiac arrest who'd been declared clinically dead for some minutes. They had flat EEGs and literally no electrical activity in the cortex of the brain. Nevertheless, afterward, when they were revived, they reported a clear consciousness in which cognitive functioning, emotions, a sense of identity, and memory were possible as well as perception from a position out and above their dead body. How do you explain that? And these kinds of situations have been uh, not only identified, but categorized and cataloged by people like Dr. Pim von Lommel. This and many other similar studies suggest the brain is a kind of receiver for consciousness, as I've said, and memory that's being beamed in from the field. To live the new science is to understand that there is increasing evidence that consciousness could be eternally present in the zero-point field, so we may be able to communicate through that universal energy field with those past and present. We need to explore this. To live the new science is to live with a sense of optimism, finally. We're not sad and isolated beings living desperate lives on a lonely planet in a lonely universe. What we do and say is critical in creating our world. And you are and always were part of a greater whole. My eldest daughter, when she was a little kid, used to pray at night. And she used to say, I am not alone. I am not alone. And when I wrote The Field, I dedicated it to her, Caitlin because I said, you never were alone. You were always part of a larger whole, as we all are. Because the point is this, you have far more power than you realize to heal yourselves, to heal your loved ones, to heal your communities, to heal the planet. Your life in every sense is in your hands. And you're going to learn on this podcast what to do about it. So that's what this is going to be about. 
Please listen in and I'll give you information and tips every time about how to incorporate this new information into your lives. So don't forget, subscribe to this new podcast. And if you've enjoyed it, please leave a review that will help other people find us and listen in. Thanks for listening. I can't wait to talk with you next time. Mm -hmm.